The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. White winter himbo. Yeah. Whoa. I don't know what that means. Okay. But every day? Question mark, question mark. Y'all must go through <laughs> toothbrushes so fast. Exactly. <laughs> I've been using the same one for like three years now. Yeah, that's right. Chris Sims, Ahmed Farid. Chris Sims Unbuttoned, presented by Under Armour. Ahmed Farid, yes, and our running gag still continues here. I hope everybody had a great holiday, a Merry Christmas, and everybody enjoyed Week 16 in the NFL season. More importantly, you know, white winter himbo there, right? Every day. <laughs> Sounds like he's on Team Ahmed to not wash the teeth too much or brush the teeth too much. Just want to make sure here, because um, you're doing this show as we speak right now. You're in Virginia Beach. Correct. Did you bring your toothbrush? I did, don't need it. Don't need it on vacation. Once a day, don't need it on vacation. <laughs> I will tell you, though. Uh, no, I, I did bring it, and I brushed them fresh before this podcast. You don't share with the wife or always something go... like that? You don't do that? No. no. no? Okay. All it's right. like, yeah, let's just bring – you're right. Let's just bring one toothbrush because why are we going to pack two? We just <laughs> – I'll use it like three times the whole trip. Uh, <laughs> no, we're here. We're here in Virginia. We've, we're with the family in honor of, uh, of you know, COVID for one more year. We're doing a, a half remote uh, podcast here to – finish off my run in 2021 but uh no it's good it was good family time chris but uh but good to talk some football here because we had a lot that happened yesterday a lot a lot but before we get to a lot all right and i mean if you're listening to this you're you're not gonna see the treat of the holiday season ahmed farid wearing unbuttoned swag like that t-shirt is so cool and the fact that your wife made this what a wife. Like, whoa. She went way up in the Chris Sims power rankings around this one. I mean, this is above and beyond <laughs> the normal duties of a wife. Like, really awesome. So go like, where was I? Well, like, where was I before? Why was I so low before the t-shirt? <laughs> but yeah, she made two of them. So it's like, I got this one. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. It's the Chris Sims logo, which by the way, Chris, like you have an awesome logo. Thank like, you. This is one of the best personal logos like I think I've ever seen. Uh, so she painted this onto a t-shirt. And then she also printed out like the actual Chris Sims unbuttoned with your name on it and put it on another T-shirt. So I have two. There it is right there. Wow. Uh, so I have two T-shirts now. And I was telling Pete that I think now I have more Chris Sims merch than probably Chris Sims does. Which I is think crazy. that's official. You're, you're, you're right about it. All I got is a coffee mug. That's all I got. And I'm not even have that with me today. You got two <laughs> T-shirts. Oh, you're right. I got a sticker, too. 
I do. So I yes. have two things. Yes, but the shirt you're wearing right there is, I mean, pretty awesome. I mean, I know like, it's, can we it's sell my, this? I know like, I'm a little biased it. here. Either way, I just yep. want to wear it. That's what I want. I just large, extra large. You know, please tell your wife to send send one my way. I'm I'm definitely going to support it and give order. her all the credit that she deserves. Uh, Chris, hey Chris, before yeah. we do get into the biz, did you have a good Christmas? It was a great Christmas, good time with the family. Yeah, a lot of fun. Okay. Always, always enjoy the you know enjoy the kids. I got some cute nephews and nieces who are at great ages. So watching them run around, I love Christmas Eve the best. That to me is the like the anticipation of Christmas. I could feel it with the kids. I love the Christmas Eve meal and the Christmas music and all that. That to me is like the pinnacle of the Christmas holiday. Uh, Christmas Day is great, but after the presents are open in the morning, it's kind of like, I don't know, a little anticlimactic from there on out. Uh, but yes, it was great, Ahmed. Thanks, dude. And then they go, hey, Chris, you got to get back to work. And you're like, thank God. Yeah. I, I love working. I don't know okay, about like, that. Get me back to the I don't office. know. I, I woke up <laughs> Sunday morning like after the weekend going, man, I'm a little tired today. Whoa. I feel like my belly grew like three inches this weekend. And, of course, you know me. I, I smoked a lot of daddy cigars and drank a lot of uh, liquor as well. So <laughs> it wasn't the best healthy weekend for Chris Sims. Why is why do we do that? Like throughout every holiday, it's just like I'm eating and I'm not even hungry. It I, happens all the I'm like I'm standing there eating something like a donut or a cookie, and I like I'm not even hungry. I have no idea why I'm eating. This I, right I get to Christmas and Thanksgiving break every year, and I'm always like, man, this is supposed to be a break. And the day I go back to work, I'm more tired than I was when the break started because I just yeah. you, you just you you relish that free time, so you push it to the limit. And I I know I do all that stuff. I don't know what it is. It's us gluttonous Americans, I guess. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> we have problems. We have a problem. All right. So we did have a lot. You had to get back to work because you have so much, uh, so many games that still mean a lot in the playoff yeah. picture. Um, what, there are a few games now that mean nothing, which is kind of interesting. And um, But we'll save those for the end. So let's go through every game. That's a promise to you, the homies here, as we close out 2021. And we start with some of the big games, Chris, in the AFC playoff picture. Let's start with the Bills versus the Patriots here. And this was, I think you look at this game for, at least for me, and it was like pretty good for both sides. It was a dominant Bills offense that I think they had seven possessions, not counting the end of the half, all ended in the red zone. I mean, this is a, this is an elite performance from an offense that, yeah, we've had questions about, uh, can they run the ball effectively? Right. And they did it against a, a Patriots defense that maybe they took a step back. I know Rodney was talking on your show that they, perhaps uh, showed some weakness in this game, but I thought it was a pretty good performance from two teams, but Buffalo really showed a lot of people something. What'd you make of the Bills' performance in this game? Well, you you know, you kind of said it right. I mean, first off, I I think it's the first time in the Belichick era that an offense has not punted the ball in a football game. It's something along those lines, if I remember that stat correctly. Insane. And, yeah, we've all... we've all questioned a little bit, yes, the Bills' attack and what they do. There's no doubt. You know, and, and hey, they were better yesterday. A hundred percent. You're correct. But I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, that quarterback is insane. That That's what I mean. What can you do to defend that when he's playing like that yesterday? You know, again, I hope everybody like will give the due credit. I, again, I you know, it's Monday morning. I haven't watched a lot of sports highlight shows or everything, but I hope they're like, steadily giving Josh Lo- Josh Allen a lot of love right now. I do I do know that. Uh, again, I don't think we can really like put it into words how awesome that performance was last night. 
or yesterday afternoon. I mean, a, a Patriots defense that you, like you said, is a really good unit. I don't even care about last week with Jonathan Taylor or yesterday. It's a good defense. They don't let people in the end zone. They don't let teams get explosive plays. And Josh Allen did all of that yesterday. I mean, again, he's the greatest one-man show in the NFL. The fact that he's not in the AFC Pro Bowl is fucking ludicrous, okay? Like Lamar Jackson, you know I love him, has no business being in the Pro Bowl over Josh Allen, who literally has been carrying an offensive team all year long. You know, I just, I I really, I I don't know what else more to say about it. It's it's like, to me, it was uh, one of the great performances I can remember, single-handed performances of this season, and really the last few seasons, when you just talk about the magnitude of the game, it's the Patriots in New England, we never see a player, a player, do that to the Patriots. We know there's teams that come in and play complete football and win a game, but one guy just dominate the flow of the game throughout? Never see it. I'm sorry to talk so long, but I just want to make sure we give the guy the credit because he's a he's a freak of nature and no doubt one of the three or four best players in the NFL. No doubt. First player in NFL history with 100-plus passing touchdowns and 20-plus rush TDs in his first four seasons and more accolades for him. He's got five games with 300 or more passing yards and 50 or more rushing yards. Second most in NFL history. Only quarterback who did that more times was Steve Young. Mm. And, oh, by the way, Josh Allen still has plenty more years to rack up more stats here. One concern on that comes from Sam Olson here, one of the homies, that says, do you think Josh Allen's car crash quarterback design runs will have a major impact on his career? What do you think? Well, they are at some point. There's no doubt. Whether it's the the car crash quarterback runs. I mean, again, they they pull guards and pull a center, and he gets behind them on third and four and – runs it up in there. He's pretty good at not letting somebody just absolutely crush him. You know, he does a good job of, like, getting on the edge of defenders so they don't always square him up and kill him. But you're not going to be able to avoid that all the time. He still takes a lot of hits. And even without that, hey, when he plays in the, in the pocket, he takes a lot of hits. I mean, come on. Josh Allen, the reason it's so great to watch him is he's running around the pocket, got somebody hanging on him, and you go, he's still going to try to make a play. He's still going to try to throw the ball 30 yards down the field. He doesn't care. That lends to him being in some compromising positions at time. I do worry about that. I do. But here's like, you know, maybe where he's a little different than Lamar, in my opinion, and the fact of like, yeah, running quarterback, take a lot of hits, a lot of wear and tear. Josh Allen is... And and I'm not saying Lamar's not, but Josh Allen is special in the pocket, too. So he's always going to be able to go back to that. His arm is no time here in the near future not going to be, you know, the top two or three or the number one strongest arm in the sport, let alone, you know, he's been taught the right way by a Brian Dayball. He understands how to read defenses and go to the right place with the ball. Like you saw Belichick talk about him last week. You know, we've gotten into, to me, Josh Allen's getting close to like the way Belichick used to talk about Aaron Rodgers. It's gushing. You know, when the game's over, it's like, I got to go find that guy and tell him how awesome he is. And he does that yesterday. You know, so that's where I think like Josh Allen has gone to a different level of play the last year and a half. And I know it's not been consistent this whole year because, yeah, there's certain weeks where, you know, teams they don't match up as well with. You know, they might not know them as well. They're a little down. And, yeah, it's all on him and they haven't played as well. But, man, that was a a special performance yesterday. And I I don't, you know, again, it's going to affect him to get back to the question, but not the long-term prospects of his career because of the great decision-maker and thrower he is. 
What do you make of the aggressiveness that, I mean, not only the Bills showed in this game, but also New England. Buffalo was three of four on fourth downs. New England was five of six. I think it was the first time in the Bill Belichick era that he went for two fourth downs and one drive in, right. the, in the first half in, in his career or in a long time, at least. Um, yeah. What'd you make of the aggressiveness of both teams in that front? I, I wasn't shocked by the Bills. I, I wasn't, you know, again, they're, they're the one thing I like the Bills where we know they have some flaws with their football team, but McDermott and Leslie Frazier always going to be, you know, pressure on you with the defense. Not necessarily blitzes, but crazy looks. This guy's blitzing. This guy's dropping. Hey, we're all look like we're blitzing. We're all dropping. So they keep the pressure on you throughout. It's never just like, oh, it's it's cover two for three plays in a row. Oh, it's man to man. You don't know what you're getting. And they believe in that same philosophy on the offensive side of the ball. That's who they are. You know, they're going to put the ball in their best player hand and Josh Allen and let him make plays. And I think, you know, yesterday, probably one of the reasons they were a little aggressive doing that is, yeah, they're on the road in New England. And I think they wanted to probably put pressure on Mac Jones and the Patriots offense to see if they could kind of keep up. I don't think they had great fear of the Patriots offense, even though I know they ran the ball in the first time around. You know, I think it's a smart enough group, a talented enough group to where they weren't going to let that same run game go off once again. Patriots ran the ball well, but hey, this is what I wanted to get to. Allen, Bills, that's kind of what they do. You're right. Belichick is kind of like the anti-fourth down go, go for it guy. Uh, he's kind yeah, of he's proven like the that. Chris Sims of the NFL. He is. He's yeah, the Chris like Sims of the NFL. Third down sometimes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but I think yesterday he felt the pressure of like I can't stop this kid. I, I can't. It was a little bit like hey the Peyton Manning Tom Brady game in the Colt in Indianapolis. Remember that where they went for it on fourth and two on their own like thirty right. yard line because he just went. I got to go for it because Peyton's going to drive down. And they're going to score. There's nothing I can do. I think he got a little bit into that. Like, uh, there's I I've called the perfect defense ten times today, and he still made a great play. So I don't think I'm going to be able to stop him. I got to go for it too. And that's how great Josh Allen is right now. He's affecting Bill Belichick's decision making. And now the Bills are in the driver's seat for the AFC East. Remember we talked to our friend Jay Croucher a couple weeks ago when they played for the first time, and we said whoever wins this game is going to be in the driver's seat for the division title. And the Patriots won that game, but now it's totally flipped. The Buffalo Bills can clinch it if they win out, regardless of what New England does. And the Bills have Atlanta and the Jets coming up. So what percent chance do you give Buffalo to win this division title at this point? Yeah, I I'm, I mean, they're, they're in the driver's seat. I would be shocked if they lost either one of those games. I, I will say that. There's, you know, again. 95. Yeah, I mean, 95%. probably I, I'd probably go higher than that. I just got to make sure I see New England's last two games here just to uh, kind of clarify it. And I might give you, I don't know why my internet's like glitching here for a second. New England at the end of the year here has who, Pete? They got the Dolphins the last game of the year and then the Jaguars. Okay, so the Dolphins is no, not going to be easy for them. They play a similar style. So I would go almost like 98%. I'm going to say the Bills win the AFC, AFC East at this point. I am. And they're going to be at home in round one. And uh, I think that's a big advantage because I think they can go on two road games and get to the Super Bowl. One game at home, got to go on the road twice to win the Super Bowl. I think they're certainly capable of doing that. So Steve Kornacki has run the numbers along with our friends over at Pro Football Focus. He has it at what? 70 what percent, Pete? 76%. What's that guy know? What's Kornacki know? What do they know? know about? I mean, who's he? What do they he? know about numbers? 
Go back to your <laughs> politics. You're not here. Yeah. I'm the Kornacki of football. <laughs> How many of the precincts are reporting that, too? You know, you got to wait till the final vote. <laughs> yeah, count. that's right. Is, that's is right. True. Where's he getting his information from, this guy? He's unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> It's a big win. Uh, Josh Allen, reliable once again. Perhaps we'll start hearing his name again in the MVP uh, race. Well, yeah. Big win for the Bills over the Patriots. But I, you almost could say he was not the most impressive performing quarterback from Sunday. Joe Burrow and the Bengals beat the Ravens 41-21 to 21 was the final score here. Joe Burrow, the final tally, 525 yards, fourth, fourth most passing yards in NFL history and then they just kept throwing here here you see the numbers if you're watching along on youtube or peacock chris what do you make of the fact that they got to 300 they got to 400 and then the game's in hand and then he's still going for 500 yeah i I mean listen i was i was talking about it as it was going on going man i mean they're they're going for it you know I, i got the sense when they got around like 425 or so you know, they didn't seem like they were kind of pulling the reins back they were i was like oh they're they're gonna try to do something here today they are and again I mean, first off, just just to sum up the football game, I mean, he was on fire yesterday. Now, I know Baltimore's secondary is less than 100%. You know, they're, they're less than 70%. It's not the same group up there. And I know they probably messed up. If, hey, the long, there was a long touchdown pass to Boyd. They probably they blew the coverage. I mean, there was nobody in the screen when he caught it. But, but either way, Burrow was on fire and on point with the football consistently, even in tight coverage, was throwing the ball right where he needed to throughout. You know, Early on, it kind of went back and forth where you thought, oh, man, are the Ravens really going to hang around here and be that team? But you could see once we got to, I want to say it was maybe, what was it, 17 or 24-14, when the, when the Ravens kind of came back and now the Baltimore, I mean, the Bengals kind of re-accelerated and he made a few big throws. You kind of got the sense right there and then the drive right before the half that like, oh, man. The Ravens have no chance of stopping them today. They don't. I mean, again, there's a lot of weapons to, to, to stop on that Bengals offense, which we've talked about all year long. It's one of the most fun, exciting offenses in football, in my opinion. I still have worries about their defense. I do. I like the talent. I think they're too simple on defense. I think that's why we see teams move the ball on them that shouldn't or make big plays on them that shouldn't. But phenomenal performance. And my dad, you know, I was like, when he got around 500 or high 400s, my dad threw for 513. So I was rooting for him not to pass that. I was, I always like, kind of like, when you get close to breaking some of my dad's records that I think are cool, I'm always like, eh, I hope he doesn't do it here. And I don't think he would have got it if it weren't that last play down the sideline to Joe Mixon, where, you know, that won't piss the Ravens off next year or anything. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, that, I, that's the danger, right? As you take a look at the passing chart here. I, that, that, the incredible thing for me, Chris, is that he threw the ball 46 times and he had an 80% completion percentage. It's insane. I mean, it was like they threw it so many times, so many downfield, as you can see. I mean, they're not all easy throws. And he throws for 525 yards. Yeah, what do you think about because Florio and everyone saw the video at the end of the game where Harbaugh is talking to Zach Taylor and maybe sharing a few words. We don't know exactly what was said, but we can guess. Um, do you think, like, is that Bush League, what they did at the end of the game? I don't think it's Bush League. I don't. You know, again, it's. I think they were looking to try to throw like a slant route to the left and just get the first down and end the game. I think that's what they were trying to do. I don't think they called a play going, oh, let's fuck them and throw the deep route. And let's do it with Joe Mixon. I mean, that wouldn't be the guy you would choose to go like, that's the one. And so I think they kind of fell into that. You know, and and even the way Zach Taylor answered Harbaugh on the field because Harbaugh came up to him and you could read his lips and he goes, why'd you call that last play? 
Well, they called that last play to get a first down and the football game. It was covered. He moved out to the right, and he saw Joe Mixon running by the guy. And again, no, I'm not going to really be mad at that or call it Bush League. They weren't like going out of their way to call big plays or game plan shots. They just ran their offense. Baltimore was not good on defense yesterday. And Baltimore is the king of bullying teams. See, Baltimore gets a free pass in these situations because because they're not a throwing team. They're a great running team. But they do these things to other teams all the time where they continue to run their high-octane run plays as they're up by 30 points, and they win by 40-something. And we don't get to say, well, why did they keep doing that? Because it was running the ball. But it's like, well, that's what they were built to do. They're the most explosive run team we've seen in NFL history. So they've done this to other teams too. They like to stick it to everybody. And they stuck it to who? The Broncos in the preseason game? Or what preseason game was that? Trying to get 100 yards rushing. Regular season. That was the regular, was regular season, season game. Yeah. Right. So they can't, yeah, what am I talking about? They're, they can't really talk. They have no pedestal to talk on right now. Yeah, we've seen it from Harbaugh in the past. And the Bengals can just say we have really good players and, and a lot of talent. And this comes from BDC Manny. And you can just say, yeah, you, you, we, we can't help us score because we got so many good players. BDC Manny says, do the Bengals sneakily have the best mix of wide receivers in the league? Uh, that's a good question, right? Because in this game, you had Jamar Chase. You had T. Higgins. They both broke 1,000 receiving yards this season. The Bengals are the first team in NFL history to have multiple players with 1,000 receiving yards before turning 23. So not only, Chris, are they good, they're young. But what do you what do you make of that question? Do they have the best mix of wide receivers in the league? Hey, and they were this close, too, with Boyd catching a pass. I think it was Boyd, uh, where they almost had 300-yard receivers yesterday. It got called back. I, I mean, it, this is a good discussion and one that I haven't really thought about, you know, and we and I know you and I, we usually kind of talk and do this kind of thing where I go, eh, who does have the best skill group of the league or the best receivers? We haven't really done that all year. They're definitely in the conversation. That would be my base thought right off the bat. I mean, again, I look at like wide receiver rooms, skill, skill positions. You got to have a little of everything. All right, and that's where I like the Bengals. Oh wait, we got Jamar Chase who can run by you or catch a slant and break your ankles and make a lot of people miss and go to touchdown. You got Boyd who's like really good route runner, good size, works the middle of the field, really smart, can do a little of everything, but you want him kind of in the slot being that kind of guy. He's Mr. Dependable, right? And now we go, "Oh, yeah, you're over defending Chase and that get Boyd. Oh, now we got a one-on-one freak over here." You know, here here's our here's our you know power forward that none of your small DBs can match up with, and Higgins to where, yeah, they can throw him slants because he can big body people and box them out, but you can throw jump balls like we saw yesterday. Joe Burrow, one of the worst decisions he made of the day was a big pass to Boyd into double coverage, but he just goes up and snags it out of the air. Higgins has. Higgins has reached another level here over the last month where I feel like his game has grown to where it's no longer is he just like another guy in the offense. It's like, whoa, no, you better think about who you got matched up with him in certain situations because he can make plays and yards after the catch, and he's he's a one-on-one nightmare. So, Ahmed, I guess what I'm saying is you add that with Mixon and Uzoma. Hmm. I'm looking. I'm just looking yeah. right now, and I'm going. You know what? I mean, the Bucks. The Bucks, it's, if they the were ca- all healthy, yeah. Right? The, Cowboys, the Cowboys, the Bucks, have a lot. right? Cowboys, Bucks, Arizona, of course, is in that conversation. Um, 
The Rams, if they did have, yeah, Pete said Rams, if they had Woods, that is a that is a good thought, Pete. You're right. They'd probably be in that discussion as well. After after that, I'm not going to put the Chargers quite in that. You know, again, it's Williams. It's Keenan Allen. I like it. I'm not going to, I don't think yeah. they're in the class of the Bengals there. And of course, they don't have a Joe Mixon or running back as much as I respect Eckler. So I guess what we're getting to here is that, yes, I think it's sneaky in that range. The other one that's kind of sneaky is the 49ers. Because when you break down Kittle with Debo Samuel and Ayuk, and if they have a healthy running back, that's pretty dangerous too. But uh, after further review, I, I think I yeah. look at it and go, the Cowboys, the Bucks, and the Bengals, you're right, are the three most explosive teams uh, in the sport as far as their weapons are concerned. Yeah, the Bengals are definitely trending up more than any other team. You didn't mention the Kansas City Chiefs, who are without who were without one of their weapons yesterday and Travis Kelsey out due to COVID protocols. Didn't matter. They got an easy win over the Steelers, 36 to 10. And it's crazy, Chris. I look at this game as we smoothly transition over to the Kansas City Chiefs. You're smooth, man. Uh, That's 11th, why you wear those cool shirts. Right. Even, even in Virginia, uh, remotely, I can do the, the segue. Uh, the Chiefs are now 11 and 4. And so in the what's wrong with the Chiefs year, they've clinched the AFC West title with two games to go. So I guess there were legitimate reasons to be concerned early uh, AFC West. Yeah. But now they, uh, it looks like they're, they're back. Are, are they back? I mean, from what you've seen over the last couple of weeks, they're close. Uh, I'm not going to say their offense is as dangerous as 2019 or 2018 or 2020, right? They're not there, but I do think they've got to a point here where Mahomes is settled in. He's comfortable. They're not making as many mistakes. He's better with reading plays within the pocket, staying in the pocket, hasn't missed nearly as many throws over the last four or five weeks. You know, really, I think the Denver game, so that was four weeks ago that I look at to go, that was just okay, the 22-9 to victory. But, of course, the Raiders game, the Chargers game, and now this game yesterday, yeah, they're close. Now, yeah, I don't put them in the group of the Bengals, the Bucks, and some of those other teams because, again, I look at it as it's just Tyreek, Kelsey, and Mahomes, and – there's no other consistent presence. You know, you're, we're hopeful for McCole Hardman. We're hopeful for Pringle. But they go through weeks where we just go, where are they? They're not a part of this. So that's why I can't put them in that class. But they don't need them to be either. They have a really special offensive line that can protect their quarterback, who's still special. They have a great, you know, offensive game planner. And then their defense is special. And their defense got them through the rough patch. But, yeah. I mean, yesterday, what, what, what do we what do we say? Game was over when Big Ben threw the flea flicker on the first drive of the game. The Chiefs go down. Do I got that right? So, right, the, the Steelers got the ball. They went three or five and out, punted it. Chiefs go on a great drive, score a touchdown. The very next drive, they run a flea flicker. Big Ben gets the ball, and he just throws it. Like, the guy's the most wide-open receiver you've ever seen. Except, guess what? He wasn't wide open. He was tightly covered and then threw an interception and that's this is to me this is where the Chiefs are dangerous you know 14 nothing 17 nothing you know we've had this conversation right Ahmed this is where Spagnolo can start to be crazy with defenses you know they got some studs up front that now can just whoa we don't have to worry about a run game we can just rush the passer and get after them that way uh, yeah that was pretty damn impressive yesterday they put the Steelers to sleep really early in this one. I would say what? Early second quarter, I got the sense where I was just like, 
I mean, the Steelers might mount a charge here, but they're not going to come back and win this one or, or you know, go down to the last play like they did the Vikings a few weeks ago. Chiefs, Chiefs were dominant throughout. Yeah, it's completely different now because you look at the Chiefs and it's like teams aren't going to get into shootouts with them. It's just they don't have that ability, especially if you don't have an offense that can make big plays consistently and it doesn't look like the Steelers can do that. No, right. Um, the, so, the, so, yeah, I... Go, Go ahead. ahead I was going to say the, the the interesting thing about the Chiefs is they can kind of do it both ways, which I think is kind of interesting. Right. You know, they've learned how to like, wait, do we got to muck it up and play defense and just win ugly? Well, hey, when we were cold and not playing good, we did that all the time. We're good. We can play the muck it up ugly game. I don't know if I would have said that two years ago when their offense was really special. I would have gone, oh man, muck it up ugly game. Kansas City ain't going to win this one. That's not for them. They've learned to kind of how to manage those games, let alone we know in a shootout they're dangerous. We saw that last last Thursday night against the Chargers. They got down, shoot out, okay, let's do it. Let's start throwing the ball everywhere. They're comfortable in that too, and I think that's what makes them dangerous. Chiefs, man, unreal. The NFL had a chance, the AFC had a chance to put them in a tough spot while they were struggling, and now they've regained their form, and they're clearly the best team in the AFC. They are. Now, I know they got two tough games left here, too. It's not easy. It's not done yet, Uh, but I think they are the best team in the AFC right now for sure. So if you're a Chiefs fan, you're happy right now, and if you're Chris Sims's lips or my feet, you're happy right now because you it does it. appear that it does appear that the Steelers are not going to do it. They're not going to do it. You declared them dead five weeks ago. They tried to resurrect themselves hanging around uh, from the grave. And now, but this is now this is it, right? They're officially done now, right? So your your lips are safe. You will not be kissing my feet. I, I hope so. I mean, you never know in the AFC this year, but again, <laughs> the Steelers got the Browns to ending year, correct? And Next week, let me look it up. I forget. I know it was another tough game. I just I would have a hard yeah, time. So you're still it. worried. Yeah. You're still nervous about Browns your feet. and at Ravens. I have a hard time thinking they're going to run the table there. I do. It's just hey, the game has to unfold a certain way for the Steelers, like we've said all year. And the defense, because of injuries, it's just not as dominant. And they had to play through that defense, and that defense had to be special for them to get where they wanted to go. And I just don't see that happening. All right, we're safe. That moment will not happen. I'm safe. Both of us very fear, safe. It, it appears you're safe. I didn't because if you don't there. brush your All teeth right. that much, who knows what you do with your feet? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Funny thing, you know, you stand in the shower, my feet might get more uh, more clean than my teeth some days. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> uh, all right, it is time for damn okay, presented by Under Armour. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, I'm okay. The legal gambling. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. All right, we've given love so far to Joe Burrow. We've given love to Josh Allen. We've given some love, uh, love to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. How have we not given love to Aaron Rodgers already? They win again. The Green Bay Packers have done it again. A couple touchdowns in the second quarter to Devontae Adams. He goes over 100 yards again. Uh, he only did have 26 in the second half, um, but they didn't need him. They hung on to win 24-22. We'll get into the Browns and their strategy in this game because I think there are a lot of interesting questions there and some second guessing. But have we gotten to the point that when Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams want to take over a game at any point, they can do that? Yes, but we got to get to the point where 
they're willing to do it more or more aggressively. Like th- that's what worries me about the the Packers. We've kind of seen this, you know, throughout the year where yeah, they can control a game, but they get ultra passive and you know play simplistic on the offensive side and try to just manage the clock and manage the game that way. And, you know, the other team, of course, is desperate. So they're going to do some crazy things. They're going to take a chance here and there. And they get totally cold on the offensive side of the ball. So that's what worries me a little bit about the Packers. You know, we, we've seen this a few times this year where, yeah, it seems like they're commanding the football game. But, you know, now commanding the game, they've taken the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, and they let another team hang around and almost beat them. Uh, again, Rodgers, Adams, special. We know that. You know, Baker Mayfield, some of those mistakes he made in the first half, as soon as he threw that first interception, I just, I looked at my little boy and I went, oh, here we go. This is going to be Rodgers, boom, 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 touchdown. I guarantee it. And, of course, that's what happened. You know, and he got, the, got in a rhythm that way. The Browns don't do anything to take people away. That's my issue with the Browns a lot of the times. Now, I don't know what they did in the second half to slow it down. I do think it was probably more Packers slowing it down than probably the Browns game planning, doing doing something differently. But yeah, the Browns are one of those teams, Ahmed, that you know that drives me crazy. It's just like, this is what we do. We play this, this is what we do. Yeah, okay, that's great. But you know, it's not always going to work against these great quarterbacks and some of these systems that have answers against it. Uh, good win by the Packers. But I'll still stand to where I say, like with the Packers in general, First off, they got a little little lucky, in my opinion. I do think that was pass interference on the last interception by Baker Mayfield. I do. And then I think the other thing I go back to, you know, I don't know, and maybe I say this too much. I just don't know if the Packers are great. I don't. Can they really get to the Super Bowl? I don't know if I really believe that. And you know I love Aaron Rodgers, and I'm rooting for that. I'd love to see Rodgers versus Mahomes or Rodgers versus Josh Allen. I'd love it. You know that. But – I still get back into I don't know if they're dominant in any area on their football team other than when Rodgers has his you know hand on the ball and they're being aggressive and that's kind of not always their approach on the offensive side of the ball and I think that's what scares me about them Ahmed. Well, record-wise, they're the most dominant team in I know. football right now, 12-3. and three. And I think that's the thing for me, because I, 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 everyone sees it, right? A lot of these games have been close, yep. and they've relied on Aaron Rodgers in a lot of the games. But as we've seen with other teams that we think are pretty good, those close games are close losses a lot of times. You know, we've seen Tennessee lose games. We've seen Kansas City lose games. You're like, how'd they lose that game? Yeah, right. We've seen Dallas and the Rams and Tampa lose those games where it's like, yeah, the Packers are maybe not putting teams away like we'd expect, but they're winning those games. And so, I know, and that's it's like still I get one the, guy. I get the I, argument. Your point's real. Your yes. point's real. I, I hear what you're saying, 100%. Do they have a dominant run game, though, to close out a game when they're in the lead against one of the NFC elite teams when we get into the divisional and the N- NFC championship game? I don't know. Is their defense good enough to stop another team if they have a lead in the fourth quarter? You know, and stop them. I mean, we saw Nick Chubb and company just run the ball at will on them there in the second half. I mean, at will, just gashing them. 10 yards, 5 yards, 10 yards, 15 yards. I mean, whatever they wanted. You know, so that's what worries me about them a little bit. You know, again, yeah, winning these close games, it's all cool, it's great. Oh, it was it was Baltimore and, and Huntley, you know. It was, you know, the Bears a few weeks ago spotting them a big lead. There's just too many of that. I don't know if you're going to get away with that in the playoffs against the better teams in football. And teams that I still look at and go, I look at the Bucks and the Cowboys healthy and 
you know, some of these other teams in the NFC where I just go, I think they have more talent than the Packers. You know, again, can you get to the Super Bowl and win it just through execution and we're not going to mess the game up? I, I don't know. That's very tough. I've really only seen one team in the history of the sport really do that. That's the New England Patriots. They're the only team I've really seen be able to do that. Other than that, everybody else, they got to make plays. they got to have some dominance on either side of the ball. And I'm sorry to be a little bit of a hater. I guess I sound like one. But these are my concerns. And he still is my favorite quarterback. And I'm saying it as a fanboy of him more than anything. Yeah, no, but if those concerns are legitimate, then that makes a pretty good case for Coach of the Year for Matt LaFleur. And we've talked about that a few times on this this pod and the Peacock Show as well. The current odds, this is according to PointsBet here, Pete, the current odds are it looks like Lafleur is the favorite, plus 110. Frank Reich is plus 350, so he's second choice. Zach Taylor is the third favorite with Bill Belichick fourth. Uh, yeah, Cliff Lafleur. has fallen off a cliff in that whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, that would make the case, right, if you really truly believe, like, they don't have the elite weapons of everyone else, but they could possibly finish with the best record in the NFL. Maybe this is the year finally for Matt. Uh, it seems like it might be falling in place here. You know, you know, with with the Cardinals kind of falling on their face here, the Patriots losing two in a row. Yeah, the one mainstay is the Green Bay Packers. And LaFleur, like we've talked about a lot, doesn't get the credit he deserves. You know, he's got a good offensive mind. He understands how to manage games for the most part. Like I said, I wish he was a hair more aggressive in some of those situations. Um, but, yeah, again, it, it, it's a good offense. I don't look at it and go, oh, my gosh, there's stars everywhere or weapons everywhere like some of the other team, better teams in, in football that are in the conversation with the Packers for that best team in the sport. Nor the defense, it's good. It's really well coached. I don't think it's great. It's not dominant. It's not. You know, there's some good players splashed in, you know, with a bunch of solid good players. You know, but I don't know if it's, again, dominant. Do I think they're going to be able to make plays like maybe the Cowboys on defense or the Bucks can on defense or the Chiefs can on defense or even the Cardinals who are struggling lately? Again, throughout the whole year, they've made a lot of plays. No. So I guess that's where I'm, I worry about the Packers when it comes January. Yep, that's up to Matt LaFleur to figure out potentially the coach of the year. One thing on the Browns before we move on to the yeah, next Yeah, yeah, what do you want to this hit here? M, yeah. M. Smudge 1984. Why did Stefanski keep the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands when Nick Chubb was the right call? Well, I guess he's, what, referring to there to the end of the football game? and the, the Well, inter- I mean, the second half, I think, you, Baker Mayfield's throwing four picks. It seems like they're running at will. On uh, the Packers' defensive line, yeah, uh, seemed like Nick Chubb couldn't be stopped, and so do you think they made the wrong call by moving away from him? You know, at the end I, of the game? Uh, well, I mean, it was, it was. I, I got to go back and kind of look at that situation again a little bit and dissect it that way. You know, again, it was he got a lot of carries in the second half. What I mean, I don't even know how many yards rushing did he have in the second half. He probably came close to a hundred in the second half, right? Because the first half, that's where I think Stefanski made the mistake. And he, you've heard me say this all year. I mean. You know, again, I, the Browns' run game is special. I need, I think they need to do more around it and just go all in on the run. You know, but here, let me get to, like, the – so, all right, so they were giving him the – steady first half, 92 second half. Right, so yeah. they were giving him a steady dose there in the second half. They certainly were. It's two-minute warning, you know, again, you know, they got the ball. It's They're on their own 29-yard line, right? I know they have – I believe all their timeouts at that point, so they didn't need to throw the ball every play. But 
again, I, I understand them throwing the ball more than not there. I, I do. You know, here, let's break down the plays. Two-minute warning, Nick, Ch- Nick Chubb t- off the right guard for 10 yards. Then it's Nick Chubb off the left tackle for four yards. Now we're down to a minute 22. He passed and complete to Njoku. And then, and then they pass short left to Nick Chubb on a third and six. It gets him the first down. And then it's incomplete pass, incomplete pass. Now at this point, we're at 59 seconds, right? So again, they do have three timeouts. I understand that. But I don't think you're looking to run the ball at a steady dose here. You're trying to maximize opportunities to get in. We'd like to get inside the 20-yard line and maximize the amount of plays we have in right there. And to me, you're in danger of losing that if you're running the ball still too much around midfield. So I'm not going to second-guess it. I think they kind of got screwed over with the pass interference. Again, it's another, another piece of evidence where it's interference all game on that play, but now inside two minutes we don't call it, and I don't like that from the NFL right now. I think some of it speaks to the concerns for Browns fans on Baker Mayfield and where he stands right right. now as a quarterback that can lead this team and certainly has had injuries and who knows how injured he's playing right now. And we'll let the next couple of weeks play out. And that'll be a discussion in the off season. I'm sure about the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys was a discussion last week on our pod, Chris, and apparently Dak Prescott heard that you do not want to give him comeback player of the year right now <laughs> that you would give that to Nick Bosa uh, seriously. because he goes out, he goes out <laughs> on your program, Sunday night football and torches Washington 56, 14, the final score. This game was over in the first quarter and a half. It was like, honestly, it got to the point where I was like, they could score a hundred. I was like, the Cowboys might score 100 in this game if they really kept the foot on the pedal. Um, just complete domination against a defense that, I mean, has played okay lately. What did Dak and the offense show you in that game, Chris? Well, I, you know, Dak was, he was back to closer to the form we saw earlier this year. You know, again, I, we didn't come away going, man, how did he, he missed that throw there. Oh, man, oh, man, that was a big throw on that drive. I can't believe he missed that. And it was on point throughout. I mean, again, I think one of the things I look at more than anything is when they kind of just threaten you with a little run game early on, and you've heard me say, I wish their passing game was a hair more creative. It's a little basic, but when they get a little bit of line of scrimmage movement, we're running the football, it just opens everything up. And a team like Washington, who's, of course, down players on the defensive side of the ball, once they see that type of running, they got to put guys in some bad positions and one-on-one matchups, and they just tore them up, let alone, you know, they couldn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball either, and we're just getting completely overwhelmed. You know, as good as that Cowboys offense was last night, and they were good, and Prescott was efficient, I still came away from the first half of the game, because that's when it was over, after the first half, going... Man, the Cowboys' defense is, is like, they're game wreckers right now. They are. I mean, it, it's gone to a whole nother level here. Their defensive line is capable of taking over football games and ruining it. We've seen that in multiple weeks now to where I went to Dallas. Pain in the, I went from early on in the year going, Dallas can win the Super Bowl, to, huh, Dallas a pain in the butt. You don't want to see them coming into town in the playoffs. To the last few weeks, we've gone, Dallas can go back to the Super Bowl. No doubt about it. 100%. You know, again, the offensive line's still not totally healthy with Tyron Smith out, but like we talked about last week, Ahmed, the defensive line's so special, and they got some good cover guys at corner to where they don't have to cover for long with that defensive line. 
And if the offense can kind of just continue to execute a little bit and run the ball, like I said, it's going to make them almost unstoppable on the offensive side of the ball because they're just going to get too many favorable matchups in the pass game off of it. So maybe that's the answer to the question from Kedgy999 here. He says, what the F happened to Taylor Heineke? What the F happened to the WFT quarterback? Was it just the Dallas Cowboys defense? Well, yeah. Taylor Heineke, again, as anybody has listened to me, he's a good player. He's a low-level starter. He's really what he is. He's a great backup. That's what I want. If I was if I was going to build a team, I'd go, man, I'd love to have Taylor Heineke as my backup. I'd pay him $7, 8000000 million just to be a backup if you got a good team because you know, okay, my team's good. The starter gets hurt. He can come in and do a few things that way and, and help our team get over the hump. But he's not the type of talent where if the game gets off the rails a little bit that he can make plays to carry your team. You know, again, I know he's got great moxie and, you know, he's got some playmaking ability too. I know he has that, but it's nothing about his game is elite. It's really about, hey, he's a good athlete. He's got a solid arm. You know, he knows how to play the game, but not going to do things special or pull your team out of a hole when they're having a bad night like last night. But yes, in his defense, completely overwhelmed. I mean, uh, come on. It, It was just like the first game around like three weeks ago. I mean, Washington offensive line just absolutely got blown off the fucking ball in the run game, pass game. It didn't really matter. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs had another interception, his 11th on the season, most by an NFL player since 1981. Micah Parsons got a sack, and uh, there was a fight. It was Washington versus Whoa. Washington, Jonathan Allen and Darren Paint. What would you make of that? That was a pretty significant punch thrown. That was like a real fight. Listen, you get in scuffles. Right? Yeah, you get in scuffles on the sidelines a lot. I mean, that, that happens. We know that. But, like, that was, let me throw a haymaker and knock this dude out. All right? So that's yeah. where that was real. That was a different fight. And where did I know they both go? Alabama? They, they both went to Alabama. Alabama yep. They were both first-round picks in consecutive years for the Washington football team. Allen, of course, is a stud. Deron Payne is really damn good, too. More of a run-stuffer type of guy, right? Allen can kind of do everything. But this is where I'll say, and, you know, what Deron Payne was co- did was completely wrong. That's a no-no in the NFL world. An absolute no-no. And... I got no problem with Jonathan Allen throwing a right hook to his head after doing that. You don't touch another grown man's head and put your finger on his forehead to make a point and push it out of the way. That, I don't care who it is. You do that to anybody in football, it's gonna be, you're going to get in a fight or you're going to get in a confrontation. You are. I messed around and did it with a guy named Adam Hayward in Tampa once, Ahmed, and I was joking around. And like being a smart ass in the hallway and kind of put my finger right on his forehead like that, He flipped the fuck out. He got in my face, and he was ready to whoop my ass, and he would have whooped my ass. Adam was tough as hell, (laughs) special teams, linebacker, 250, jacked. Like I had no chance. I was so glad when other defensive players came and pushed him away to break it up because I was like, oh, God, I'm going to get killed by this guy. So you don't do that. (laughs) And even though I was joking around, you don't do it when it's a heated moment on the sideline. That was a no-no, and – they're going to have to figure that one out because that's not going to just go away today when they walk back in the facility and go, oh, yeah, no big deal. That's just heat of the moment. That, there was more, that was more deeply rooted than your normal sideline scuffle. Your best argument 
when you got into a fight with a teammate is like, why would I try to do that? I was obviously joking. I would never try to fight you. And they're like, that's true. Well, like, good point. Well, like, why? I, I literally, no I think I said something like that. I was like, dude, I'm just like messing around, but he did not <laughs> want to hear it. And he did not want me touching his head like that. <laughs> Let's do this on the pod because you know, uh, Paul Burmeister played college football and had a tryout in the NFL, right? Did, yeah. he, did he have a tryout yeah. or played? Yeah. Yeah. In training camp with the Vikings. All right. Put your finger on his head Wednesday. And see what happens. Just like see what happens if his instincts kick in. Okay. okay. Still- I'll do that to him. I'll tell him <laughs> it's from you. No problem. Because I, I know I would say do it to me, but I know you would do that. No problem. Like, I'm, what am I doing? I'm not doing. I read on you with my bad breath. Maybe. That's all I can do. Uh, yeah. Washington's uh, <laughs> done, though. Poor Washington. It was a lot they had to overcome yeah. this year. And they fought yes. hard. They made a comeback. That was all good. But between COVID, short week, all those issues, playing one of the hotter teams in football, no, they were just compromised last night. How many, how many bootlegs or little play action easy completions did Prescott throw in the first half, or just guys over one on one? And there's no William Jackson on the other side against a lesser corner because he was out of the game. Bam, easy completion. It was just too easy all night for Dallas. They're rolling. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable. And the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Yep, Washington, a playoff team last year, probably not going to make it this year, although I guess they still have some sort of mathematical chance of that happening, but there really is no chance. Last year, they did play the Buccaneers in the playoffs, and the Buccaneers got a big win over the Panthers, 32-6 was the final score, and we're going to give a damn okay to Jordan Whitehead. Seven tackles on the defensive side here. That was a team high, tied for a team high. Had an interception, three passes defense, so... A team that's been decimated by injuries on the offensive side here within the last week. The Buccaneers get a convincing win over Carolina, who are done-done now. But uh, you got to give some credit to the Bucs, right? I mean, Tom Brady was able to get that offense and find a couple playmakers and make them uh, look like at least somewhat copies of Evans and Godwin and Fournette out there. Yeah, well, you know, I think we get back to it. It kind of speaks to how talented they are as a football team. And sometimes I think even they forget about the aspect of like, wait, we have this big dominant offensive line that was a big reason of why we got to the Super Bowl last year. Why don't we run them? I, you know, you, you know me. I, again, I sound probably like a broken record to some people out there. I think the Bucks are at their best when they do that style of football rather than Brady and the shotgun and everything there. I think they're more susceptible to being upset in the shotgun, we're going to throw the ball every play with Brady mode than they are when they get in two tight end sets, Cameron Braid, Gronkowski, they run the ball, and then Brady can feel protected off of those formations and strike downfield. That, to me, is when they're really dangerous, and that, that's what they got back to a little yesterday. They had to because of like what you said. They were down some weapons. They didn't have a ton of receivers they could trust. So it was a two tight end, smash mouth, you know, Vaughn breaks the big run early when the guy the game was kind of in a stalemate. And then Jordan Whitehead, you brought up, you know, him being back in the lineup on the defensive side, that's a big deal. He's a really damn good player who does a lot out of that safety position for them. You know, he can come down and kind of play linebacker and nickel and deep safety, and he can do it all. 
and he's a great tackler. And that was where the game turned around was his interception. You know, not that it was like, you know, not, not that I felt like, oh man, Carolina was going to win the game, but Carolina looked like they had a decent game plan, went down on that first drive, got a field goal, had a few good quarterback design runs again. You know, there they are at midfield. And I just, I don't know what Cam Newton was thinking. I mean, he was getting hit and he tried to like jump as he was getting hit and throw the ball over the middle to like an under route on the outside. And of course got nothing on it. And it was basically like a jump, a hook shot in basketball. And it was an easy, easy interception for Jordan Whitehead. And really from that point on, you know, the game wasn't the same. Bucks got the field goal, right? And I, I, Bucks got the field goal. I think Sam Darnold led them down to a drive to make it 10-6. Uh, uh, but then the Bucks kind of controlled the game from there on out. And it was, it was just like kind of domination or slow death for the Carolina Panthers from that point on. Yeah, certainly made it easier for Tom Brady and the Bucks to make some plays because they had Antonio Brown back, first game back from the suspension. They were using him a lot in the first half he was and amazing. the second half. Yeah. Ended with 15 targets, second most this week in the NFL, 10 catches on his uh, first week back after suspension. What What do you think, Chris? I mean, a, a terrible message to the kids, right? Bad message to the kids that Antonio Brown's back out there doing this. I'm, I'm not mad. I, hey, this ain't a sport for the kids. <laughs> this is a grown-ass man sport. So, you know, again, this is you, – you, hey, like, like I, I know we talked about this a little last week, and I know some people are like, oh, you got to – you got to teach them a lesson. What? None of those guys in that locker room want you to teach them a fucking lesson. They want to win the Super Bowl. So their lesson would be, hey, we're better with him. Bring him the fuck back so we can win a Super Bowl. And, you know, they're probably two, again, where everybody, I understand. Listen, I'm not the biggest Antonio Brown fan. You know, even what he said after the game yesterday. I don't want to answer the, you know, it's all drama questions. Well, you created the fucking drama, man. Wherever you go is drama. So you can't be mad that people want to ask you drama questions when you create the drama. Like, yeah, he's not my favorite, but I know in football locker rooms, he is one of the favorites because of his work ethic, attention to detail. He's a psycho preparation guy like Brady. So the team sees that and they're all in for that. They are, you know, and, and they've gotten to be around him and understand how much he loves the sport. So yeah, even though they said one mistake and you're done, you know, okay. They've had a year of evidence to go away. The guy's a little different than we thought when we got him in here and we're not going to just sacrifice the Super Bowl to teach him a lesson yeah well the two guys that you wanted to teach a lesson or the the public wanted to teach a lesson to they're a big part of the why the bucks won yesterday right i mean the, the, they helped the team and again it goes back to with like antonio brown um and he can do everything you know he can run the chris godwin over the middle julian edelman stuff and then he's strong enough and fast enough to where when they run the ball and they start to see single coverage on the outside he can beat people one-on-one, -on -one and Brady just goes, well, he's better than that guy, and I'll throw a strike, and it's as simple as that. And that's where they're going to be tough to beat. And I'll, I'll be interested here going forward, Ahmed, if they don't get into this little offense more. I want to see where they go from here. Mm. If they're going to stay in this little run game underneath the center, two tight ends, a little bit more than the what we saw when Brady was really tearing it up maybe in the middle of the year with four wide receivers and just you know unstoppable passing game. I think they're m more dangerous playoff-wise when they play this style. You know, there was one stat that I was looking up on Next Gen Stats. The fastest from snap to throw last week in the NFL was Tom Brady and the Bucks, 2.22 seconds. And so a week after getting hit in the pocket and taking maybe more hits than he wanted to, 
What do you know? They were throwing it quicker than any other team in the NFL, and a lot of those going to Antonio Brown. And I, I, you know what? I agree with you with Antonio Brown. People say it's not a good lesson for the kids. I was like, it is a good lesson for the kids. They, you need to learn at a young age that if you have a lot of talent in one area, people will put up with a lot. But the moment you no longer have that talent, yes. you're screwed. No so doubt. I think that's okay. That's a good lesson for kids to learn. Like, yeah, as long as you have an elite talent, you're going to be okay. The moment you lose that talent, you're screwed. You're, you're people, right. People I mean, listen, that's, immediately. A, that's a fact of life. It doesn't matter what business you're in. I mean, we could talk about going around NBC here, or I could go back to Bleacher Report, or we could go to Merrill Lynch or fucking Goldman and Sachs or whatever. I, the biggest earners in those places get away with more shit. I mean, period. You know, the top doctor at Columbia Hospital, he's probably late for more appointments than the guy that's the lower level guy because he's just like, I'm the fucking man. I, I'll be there when I get there. Uh, yeah, that's the way the world works. Exactly right. Yeah. And you're Good, right. When you're elite at something, you get away with a few things every now and then. And yeah. that's Antonio Brown's. But when you lose that talent, yeah, if you are, if he's you, gonna learn if some you are lessons. a dick, then you're done. He's going to learn some if lessons. If you're a nice guy. Right. Yeah. If you're a nice guy, guess what? You might have a career after your talent's gone. That's so right. That's right. I think right. that's a good lesson for a lot of kids to learn, and maybe maybe I'll teach my kids that. Like, are you good at anything? Are you elite at anything? Yeah. No? Then you better be super nice to people. Yeah, yeah. Because don't be an asshole. that's how I've gotten to where I am. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yes, that's how I've gotten hey, in my life. You I know? hear you there. I'm no a, doubt. Do you have a lot of talent? No? I'm nice to people. All right. <laughs> we'll keep you around. Uh, Aaron Donald was not nice to a, well, historically has not been nice to a lot of people that he plays against, and that was the case again yesterday against the Minnesota Vikings will give the damn okay to Aaron Donald as the Rams get the hard-fought victory. And maybe Donald was mad, just like Dak Prescott was mad that you dismissed him in the comeback player of the year talk. And Donald came out because we didn't really talk about him as a leading candidate and defensive player of the year. Five tackles, three for a loss. He had a sack, a couple quarterback hits, forced a fumble. Uh, He has a, what is he now? He's the third choice. Pete, according to points bet, their third choice still behind Micah Parsons and TJ Watt. Aaron Donald, is he making a late charge for defensive player of the year, Chris? He's making a charge. I mean, I don't think it's going to get him there, right? But, like, I do feel like ever since we talked about him two weeks ago, like he came out in that Arizona game and was like, hey, fuck you, everybody. You remember me? <laughs> I mean, from the first play of the game, I think he ruined, like, one of the first plays of the game with a sack in that game. So, yes. And I, uh, he's been playing some really good football here the last few weeks. There's no doubt. And we've seen the Rams again. Some of the star players have shown up in some big moments. I, again, I don't, you know, there's something about that Rams game yesterday. I guess I like and I don't like. I guess, you know, of course the game was inconsistent. Matt Stafford and some turnovers were bad. I mean, three interceptions, you know, two of them led to 10 points. One was, you know, a, Tip pass over the middle and definitely tight there. That gives the Vikings a touchdown when you're kind of in control of the football game at 13 to three to start the third quarter, you know, but either way, I still think there were some things about the game. I like the defense showed some moments of being dominant. They, they did do that, you know, and, and even, you know, with Stafford's first interception, which was also backed up, held the Vikings to a field goal. You know, they, they've had shown moments of being like, wait, we can clamp down and stop you completely here. They are making plays. Offensively, we saw the run game again, which was good, no doubt about it. But, yeah, Stafford's got to be careful. You know, that got, game got closer than it should have been, in, in my opinion, just the, the way it looked. And I, that's one game that, 
I want to go back and watch and just get a little bit better of a feel for. You know, I know that he went off with Cooper Cup in the fourth quarter. Um, I felt like the Rams were always in control of the game watching it yesterday, but just kept fucking it up a little bit and letting the Vikings hang around. Yeah, they needed that punt return, 61-yard punt return in the middle of the game. That gave them a 10-point lead, and it was still close at the end. I, I think because I'm a Matt Stafford apologist that I'll – you know, yeah, I think it was his worst game as a Ram, but that last drive to yeah. ice the game, yeah, um, he there were three big third down conversions there, a couple to cup. Um, that it was like, okay, when they needed him to make the plays at the end of the game, he was able to make those plays, and maybe that's just because I, I love Matt Stafford, but it seemed like we've seen that before in Detroit where it's like at the end of the game, man, that's the best Matt Stafford that you'll see. Yeah, really. You're right. The last drive, even the drive before that, right. Or maybe it was two drives before that, where as 20 to 13, you know, Minnesota's made it a one score game and they go right down the field and he makes some throws to Cooper cup. The drive ends with the touchdown pass to the back right corner to Odell Beckham jr. Right. That yep. was Same where time. you went, right. Like he'd already thrown his three interceptions and he went, Oh, all right, all right, all right here we go. He's got his rhythm back. He's got his confidence back. Again, the Rams, I'm not going to put them in the class right now of like where I look at them and go, oh, man, they're dominant like Kansas City and maybe the Dallas has been here the last few weeks. But it's certainly better. It is. And it's close to showing signs of some dominance. And if they get a few of these guys back on defense healthy, uh, I'm interested to see what they can be. But nonetheless, again, I mean, they went a week without practicing. People got to remember these things. Barely practiced last week. You know, short week. Tuesday game against the Seahawks. Emotional against a division rival who had their backs against the wall. Short week, go to Minnesota. That's not always easy. I, you know, sometimes you got to remember, can't expect teams to always play their best football in those type of circumstances. That was a big win for them on the road. It's never easy to win in Minnesota in that environment. And let, let, like you said, let's not take credit away from Stafford and McVay for doing that. Yep, he was able to find Cooper Cup enough throughout that game. And at the end of the game, Cup now currently on pace to tie Michael Thomas's receiving record with 149 catches in a year and break Kelvin Johnson's receiving yards record by a single yard. Now he does get an extra game, so we got to factor right. that and in. But are, are, would you like to add the groundswell of, hey, maybe we should be talking about Cooper Cup in the MVP talk? I, I think he deserves to be like in the convo, sure. You know, I think Matthew Stafford deserves to be in the convo too to a degree, but yesterday hurt that that shot pretty much. Yes. But yeah, I, I don't, you know, no, I, 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 I still think I would be more on the Rodgers, Jonathan Taylor, you know, and even after yesterday and if they win the AFCs, I'd probably put Josh Allen in front of Cooper Cup too. As amazing as it's been, there's no doubt. Like, again, what I, just out of – Cooper Cup, that year, like you're talking about with Calvin Johnson, how many receptions did he have? I would imagine they were far less than what Cooper Cup's going to end up with here. What, what, do you know that? Right. Do you have that stat in front I of you? I don't know what they were. No. Uh -uh. All I right. Don't have Pete's going to look that up. Yeah. I would let him know Pete's that. Looking. So I would go, like, I don't think this year's as impressive as Calvin Johnson. He got 122 receptions. And right now, uh, Cooper Cup's on pace for what, 150 or 149? 150, about, yeah. Yeah. I do think it's more impressive than the Michael Thomas year. I do. You know, Michael Thomas, how many yards did he end up with that year? He ran, got 148, Pete. Oh, man, uh, we got Pete, Pete all over pro football that would reference be interesting right too. now. To me, in my, my memory says Cooper Cup's year is way more impressive than Michael Thomas, who caught a bunch of five-yard slants over the middle, and I felt like shorter routes, but uh, I could be wrong yeah. there. 
1725 for Michael Thomas. Those were the yards. Well, that's better than so I thought. So he's on pace. Cooper Cup's on pace for another couple hundred uh, more, but an extra extra game. Regardless, and I, I agree with your point too. Again, not to keep keeping love on Matt Stafford. That it's not like Cooper Cup all of a sudden became like I, he's great, and he's probably always been great. But Matthew Stafford has helped elevate Definitely. him in that entire offense to a completely different level. No and so doubt. if you're going to talk about Cooper Cup as an MVP, I agree. It's yeah, like they kind of they kind of cancel each other out there a little bit, just because like yeah, yes. yeah, yeah the, the, the Rams weren't capable of this the last five years with Jared Goff. Now Cooper Cup. He might have been open on a lot of these plays, but he went, damn, the guy didn't throw him to me or he threw me a wobbler that didn't get here. You know, So, yes, now he's got a guy that you know allows the offense to completely open up, let alone make him make some insane throws to him that, that add to these stats. But either way, phenomenal year by Cooper Cup, and people got to give him more credit and the fact of this physical specimen he is. I'm a little sick of hearing that line from guys on TV. Well, he's smart. no. I've seen Cooper Cup in person. He's he's more than fucking smart. He's big, he's fast as fuck, and he's quick as fuck. Like, shut the fuck up. He's talented. <laughs> Why are we discrediting him? I don't know. Yeah. I know he's like nerdy and, white guy yeah. slot receiver, but that doesn't mean he yeah. doesn't have talent. You know, and, and I feel like that's kind of working against him. Not that nerdy. Him. I mean, he's got a pretty he's cool. good jawline. I know, too. I know, he's I know. He's cool, got yeah. a good jawline, and he's like, nah, yeah. I no, think I don't think he's nerdy either. People I didn't are sleeping mean, on Cooper yeah. Cup. Yeah, people are sleeping on him. I'm uh, not sleeping on him. I feel like people are a little bit. Breaking news, Chris. What? Breaking news, not great. Don't Bruce t- Arian says Ru- that Shaq Barrett has a sprained MCL and ACL. Okay. Hoping that he can be back for the playoffs. Okay. So another injury blow, perhaps, Ooh. for Tampa. Yeah. Um. Week 16, three weeks to the wild card round. No, he won't be ready for that. But I think it's realistic to think divisional NFC championship weekend. He could be there for that. You know, just, just, and again, I'm not trying to be a doctor, but sprained ACL, MCL. Again, I've had a lot of friends and teammates that have had it over the year. It's usually somewhere between like a three to six week injury. You know, so I'm kind of putting it at like four week mark that I think we can maybe see him back, or at least maybe he could be practicing to where he could be ready for the championship game. But um, yeah, that's that's yeah. not good. It's definitely not as strong as this NFC is, and you don't know who you might be getting coming into town in Week One in the wild card game. I mean, you could end up getting the damn 49ers coming into town. That couldn't be. That would be tough. I mean, the 49ers are. They're one of those teams that are not going to be scared of the talent of the Bucks. They're going to go, wait, we th- we're just as talented, or we think we're just as talented as you. And that's where they're going to need Shaq Barrett. So, stinks for them, uh, but you know they'll, they'll weather the storm. they still got a great team down there. All right, we got more wild card hopefuls uh, to talk about here in just a second. Not that the Bucks will be a wild card team. They got the division title wrapped up. But first, we want to talk about Under Armour a little more, Chris, here. Yeah. We are supported by Under Armour. Just like us, Under Armour wants to give you an edge, Chris. They they are focused on performing better and taking their game to the next level. Everything from running shoes that propel you forward to hoop shoes that give you insane grip. They even make hoodies that reflect energy. Damn, that's awesome. We're not just about the end result, winning, or glory. Yeah, Under Armour is about the hard work, the dedication, the cycle of training, competing, and recovering. We give you advantages, but not shortcuts. The only, the only way, way is through. through. <laughs> yeah. I like our little graphic they, design hey, today with the split yes. screen there of like the Under Armour. Well done. 
Well done. And we love uh, – this is our last week of our Under Armour sponsorship. So what? Under, yeah. Under Armour, I mean – uh, there's playoffs. A lot of people listen and watch the podcast of the playoffs. I'll continue to kiss your feet all the way through Under Armour. I'm not going to kiss <laughs> Ahmed's feet, hopefully, but I'll kiss yeah, your feet. No. All right, Under Armour? Yeah. So feel free to uh, strike up a new deal. Give me $10 million they, yeah, per week, not heard, and we'll do it. <laughs> have they, yeah, yeah, at least. Have they not heard the the reads, the joint reads? Maybe once they hear this one that we can do it not only together but also remotely, that they'll be that impressed that they'll say, hey, let's re-up for another year. But it's been a good run. we got a couple more episodes with Under Armour. But now we got to go to the wild card hopefuls. We go back to uh, Saturday game. Colts defeat the Cardinals 22-16 to was the final score. And I like this. Uh, this was a damn okay from Paul Good on Twitter that says, damn okay to the entire Colts organization to go to Arizona with that many last-minute COVID issues, pull out the win in a is a testament to what Frank Reich, and Chris Ballard have put together. What do you th- what do you make of that? And a uh, damn okay to the whole team, the franchise, GM, front office, everyone. They deserve it. I mean, that's a legit damn okay, a hundred percent. I picked the Colts to win, but I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. On Christmas Day, when family was asking me about the game and stuff, I was going, "Damn, the Colts are missing their three interior offensive line." Man, that makes me it made, changes my thought on the football game a little bit. I don't know. Well, they this might mean they mean, mean you know might need to rely on Carson Wentz a little too much in the passing game. I don't know if I love that. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. And hey, the Colts have a toughness and a belief about them right now that's real. You know, hey, they caught Arizona, who's you know obviously in a little funk here as we see. I mean, we've seen all teams go through this this year. It's just bad timing by the Cardinals that they're going through it right now. But well, the Colts were, you know. The more physical team on the football field, I would say, Christmas night. That was the thing that jumped out to me more than anything. And what I get a little scared of again, you know, again, the Colts, you know, the running game, Wentz is good enough to beat you with the pass game as long as we don't have to rely on him to throw like 45 times in a game because that usually is when he does a dumb thing or two and, and, and hurts his football team. But this current formula is real. I mean, it's real to where – Hey, you know, like I said again, the Colts are they're capable of going to the Super Bowl too in the AFC. They're made for playoff football. They are. The defense is really good. You could see, you know, other than the one run, they had real they have enough speed up front to contain a guy like Kyler Murray. I know he had the great run and that was it, but after that, that was about all we talked about for the rest of the night. It wasn't a whole lot after that. Um the Cardinals, uh, let me just hit on them real quick, Amen. Yeah. You know, it it's I think what I've said the last two years is kind of coming back around here. Like, yeah, you know, they got a lot of, you know, they have a little more versatility on offense. But as the year goes on here, I think teams are realizing, all right, wait, wait, we, all right, they're good. They're, they run the ball pretty well. Okay. It's not a great running team. It's pretty good. Oh, the screens, blah, blah, blah. Got all that. Right. But what to me it looks like over the last few weeks is teams, again, have really caught on to how they want to attack in the pass game. And Kyler has not been great. He's missed a handful of throws in every game here ever since he came back from injury where I go, man, he usually hits that. And I know I've come away watching film a little bit the last few weeks going, eh, there's not a ton of people open. I don't sit here and go like, oh, wow, he's really playing bad and there's people wide open. I think a little everything. Yeah, he's missed some throws he should hit, but I do think people are on their drop-back pass game and their passing offense to a degree once again. 
Yeah, I, I mean, he's still. It's like what's going on with Kyler. I was looking at that fifty-seven yard run, and you see it's like it's special. Still there, he was the fourth fastest ball carrier of the week. But Indianapolis, even without Darius Leonard out there on the defensive side, was able to contain that offense um, for the for the most part. Yeah, so, but yeah, what like you mentioned Carson Wentz a little bit, and watching this game, there are a couple of times where I'm like, man, he looks a little slow sometimes. And of course, in the beginning of the season, had the the feet injury uh, to both feet, I believe. He's a lumber, um, but then makes that. Yeah, it makes that throw at the end of the game, Chris, to, to Patman in the back of the end zone. That's that was amazing. A, a athletic play. And I don't know if there's something going on with the hard knocks. I haven't watched that with the Colts, but I keep hearing things of how Frank Reich is trying to get Carson Wentz's confidence back up and get him to believe in himself. So I don't know exactly what's going on there with Carson Wentz, but would you say that at the end of that game that we saw him at his best making plays there when it mattered uh, pretty close you know I'm not going to say it was the Carson Wentz I saw you know in 2019 that carried the Eagles to the playoffs with a you know everybody hurt on their football team or the guy we saw the year they won the Super Bowl where he was you know probably a game away from being the MVP of football before he got hurt you know? and that's what I think Frank Reich's talking about you know, he's seen that guy and going like, wait, you're not that guy right now. You're good, but that guy back then was like, could borderline almost take over a game whenever they wanted. And, you know, again, let's put ourselves in his shoes. He's human. He is human. He got shit on, like, all the time in Philadelphia, constantly. How could his confidence be great? How? How? And then has a great year and carries a team to the playoffs, and they bring another distraction and more pressure on by bringing Jalen Hurts in. Like, so, of course, he's not the same guy right now. They've continued to try to build him up all year. But we have seen, like, you know, like you said, that throw there at the end of the game. We've seen little moments here and there down the stretch to where we go, oh, that's pretty damn special play. And that was a special play, running to the left. Dropping the arm like that, throwing that perfectly in the back of the end zone, really nice. You know, they don't need him to be a superstar like he was in 2017. But if he can be like that or, you know, just play really solid football, the Colts are going to be a tough out in the playoffs. They are. Didn't look like a playoff team in the first couple of games just because it was some tough games for them. But yeah. they lost those. They were going to need to make a run, and they've made that run. The opposite story for the LA Chargers right now that in the beginning of the year looked like they were getting wins that would make them a playoff team but now they've hit a rough patch in perhaps the roughest patch now with a loss to Houston 41-29 the final score and Chris I want to share this with you that John McClain has been covering Houston for a long time right one of the beat writers there and he tweeted out this he goes I don't know that I've ever seen a stranger victory by a Houston team considering how many players they have out on both sides of the ball and how incredibly so many stepped up in big-time fashion. So in his many, many years covering this Texans team, he has not seen many games that surprised him more than that one. Were you as shocked with how this one played out as he was? Yes. I I, I, I can't lie. You know, again, the game early on as the Texans were hanging around, you know, and I just kept thinking, okay, and I, I want to try to remember the point where I went, uh-oh, this might change here. I guess it was... I think Chargers 12-10, right? And that was where Herbert had the ball at the middle of the field and threw, tried to throw the post down the middle, which was a bad decision, and he didn't throw the appropriate ball, in my, my opinion. And they intercepted. It was 12-10 where I just kept going, all right, hey, it's early on. They're going back and forth. You know, the Texans will fizzle out, and the Chargers will, 
you know, keep the offense rolling here and they'll get it going and they'll, they'll put them away. Didn't happen. I mean, throws the interception right there. And I believe on the subsequent drive, the, the, the Texans went right down the field and went on a 94 yard drive and scored a touchdown. Yeah, they did with the Chris Conley go route on the right side. Again, here, you know, I come away with a lot of weeks going, Hey, one team really messed it up and the chargers that made some mistakes. There's no doubt about that, but there was also an element of like, man, they're like physically getting pushed around in this game by the Texans too. See, that's to me where it's more concerning. Like I know Jackson fumbled the ball at midfield. Herbert had, you know, the interception there, the late interception. I don't give a shit about That was like desperation time, but you know, I just didn't like the fact that the Texans were physically hanging in there with the Chargers. To me, that's where it's a bad look. You know, again, Texans offense just running the ball right down the throats of the Chargers defensive line. And then, you know, Mills and company. Mills played a great game, did a great job, just put the ball on the money throughout. You know, it was it was an impressive victory. It was one of those where I came away and I wrote down here, I went like, the Chargers didn't fuck this up. The Texans legitimately beat them. I mean, it was a legit beating of the Chargers. And, you know, a little more evidence to me of why I don't really think the Chargers are a playoff team. They're fun. They have a superstar quarterback. But I know you've heard me say all along, I don't think their defense is real good. And I think the offense is good, not great. That has had some favorable matchups throughout the year, too. Uh, and I just don't look at them as being playoff quality. I mean, they... Maybe we're a year ahead of the schedule. And Justin yeah, Herbert that's obviously right. has been so good in his first right. day. So maybe, I mean, maybe we got a little too excited about them at the beginning of the year. Is that fair? I think so. I do. You know, again, early in the year, they were trying to changing the narrative of like, hey, the Chargers aren't screwing games up in the fourth quarter. They're actually winning these. Look at this. And Herbert is, you know, special. I mean, he's special. You know, for the most part of the year, I mean, you talk about consistency at the quarterback position. Yeah, Herbert's probably played as good or better than anybody in the AFC as far as consistency, you know, uh, with the splash plays and all that. I think that led to everybody kind of jumping on the bandwagon of the Chargers. Whoa, you know, coach goes forward on fourth down a lot, superstar quarterback. It's awesome with fantasy football. Their defense lets up all these yards too, so their offense gets the ball right back. Everybody wanted to jump on that. But that's just not playoff football, in my opinion. And that's why you're going to see, again, it's going to be a tough go here to see if they can sneak in somehow, some way. They're going to need some help. And I think they are, in a lot of ways, very similar to what we've seen from the Cardinals, too. So as I as we just finished up talking about the Cardinals and the Chargers in the same boat, maybe we got a little too excited about them a little too early. Our friends over at PointsBet have the NFC West odds as we stand right now, odds yeah. to win the West. And the Rams are the overwhelming favorite with Arizona now plus 240. Uh, the Rams can clinch the NFC West next week with a win at Baltimore and a Cardinals loss at Dallas. I mean, are they kind of, I mean, when you think about the Cardinals and the Chargers, they almost are similar in that way that uh, maybe we just got too excited. Although you always cautioned, even when the, the Cardinals were undefeated, the last undefeated team, I think you were just like, they're not quite there quite yet. Yeah, it's, it's just a little too reliant again, I think, on just their playmakers. And, you know, we'll get a strip sack fumble, we'll get an interception, you know, we'll return a punt. Uh, we'll break a screen for 40. Kyler will break a run up the middle for 70. And I just don't, I, I, again, that's awesome. And it's going to help them win some games when they get in the playoffs and do that. But also like, you know, Hey, you gotta, you gotta execute and physically dominate teams and football too. And you know, with the, with the Cardinals, 
I do worry with the lack of big people in the interior part of their defensive line. And you see, they can get pushed around at times, you know. And, and again, I'm not counting them out of it. the The Rams certainly aren't out of the woods with the at the Ravens and then the 49ers at home. They can lose both of those and be in trouble there. But I'm going to bet they only lose one of those. And I would bet that the Cardinals lose to the Cowboys too. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, I, I've always had a little caution about the Cardinals. But there was a point during the year where I just went, man, maybe they're just going to be able to make plays like this all the time. And maybe I'm wrong. But we've seen here the last yeah. few weeks that's gone away a little bit. And, yeah, they've been unable to kind of execute and pose their physical will on you on either side of the ball to kind of put teams away or, or get some wins here down the stretch. Yeah, Cardinals right now, 10-5, and five, Rams 11-4. and four. Who knows? It's not over quite yet. Nope. And if you think the Cardinals can still do it, maybe you can make some money with our friends over at PointsBet. And, Chris, you personally have a special offer for the homies out there. You know it. It's a good one, too. All right. PointsBet has a new sign-up offer for unbuttoned listeners to get in on the action before the season ends. Let's go. Get in on this action now. Download yeah, before the, the season ends. Yeah, before the season ends. Come on. Download the PointsBet app. Use code HOMIE. Yeah, that's right. My homies. H-O-M-I-E. That's right. To sign up. Bet $1 on any NFL game and get $25 in free bets for every pass TD your team throws. Insane deal. $1, just team throws a pass. Here's free money. Okay. TD pass. Here's free money. Any pass TD counts. Doesn't matter if it's the QB, the wide receiver, the punter, the halfback pass. It doesn't matter. Any TD pass. Don't just bet this football season. Live your bet life with points bet. Yeah, and it can be caught by anyone too, an offensive lineman or or whatever, defensive lineman. And we saw some big guys catch touchdown passes this week, including in the Eagles game. They get the win over the Giants. 34 to 10 was the final score. And I don't know if you saw this, Chris. Your dad at halftime was doing the highlights on CBS and he goes, "All right, Giants Eagles tied 3-3. There are no highlights." And that was it. And that was basically it. Luckily for Philadelphia and all their fans that there were highlights in the second half where they just steamrolled over the Giants after that. It just took them a half to get going. It, it did. They were kind of sleepwalking in the first half. You know, again, the Giants have, have matched up well with the Eagles. It's the reason they beat them, you know, a month ago or whatever it was, you know, at Giants Stadium or MetLife Stadium. You know, the one thing the Giants have a little bit is they have big people up front so that allows them to not totally get blown off the ball by a great Eagles offensive line. And the Eagles passing game, not real complex. It's a little bit of like, hey, we run the ball, and now you got to put people in there to stop it, and now we got guys that can beat one-on-one coverage on the outside. So it's not hard to break that down and stop that either. And you know, I think the Giants are coached well. You know, their approach is usually right. But they had no fucking chance yesterday with Jake Fromm at quarterback. Absolutely no fucking chance. I don't. I'm still. Not, I'm still confused on why he started. I don't know what, what that was about. I really don't. But either way, you know, hey, they hung around and that was all nice and dandy and all of that. But once Fromm threw the interception, I believe, yeah, Fromm threw an interception and the game just went downhill from that point on. You know, for the New York Giants, the Eagles started to dominate in all facets of the football game. And then, really, Ahmed, like what I think about the Eagles is, you know, they. You go too hard on stopping the run game, which is arguably the best run game in football. You can see Hertz can throw the deep ball, and guys like Watkins 
and Dev, uh, Devontae Smith and Rieger, they can beat one-on-one coverage, and that's where they're dangerous and have a good little formula, you know, as far as their offense is concerned. And Lane Johnson can beat one-on-one coverage, or maybe they were playing him zone. That's so they didn't protect. Like, what was on, the deal uh, the with that yesterday? Line. Offensive lineman getting <laughs> touched. We had four offensive linemen get a touchdown yesterday. It's just crazy how it works like that yeah. some weeks. And everyone gets so happy now when that happens. You notice that everyone's like, "Hey, fat guy, he just caught a pass. All right, nice." Yeah, it's like I we know. get way more excited now, which it is cool. But it seems like now we're like really into it. Like we really like that when that. Ha- and they're like, they're probably like, "Hey." I played like I'm a good athlete. Like well, a lot of what? these linemen, right? Right, Chris? Like they're like, why do you think I'm a bad athlete? I mean, that that's where people don't get it. First off, if they saw Lane Johnson, they'd be like, Oh wait, you're not fat. You're just a giant. <laughs> they'd be like, What? You're not fat at all. Like, what the fuck are you? Did you walk out of the cave? Holy crap. I mean, Lane Johnson is a giant man. I mean, offensive linemen are very good athletes. Usually can catch a ball. Usually can shoot a basketball pretty good have incredibly quick feet, and are explosive. Again, they're not explosive as far as a 40-yard dash is concerned. They're explosive in short areas, and they're usually the type of guys where they're so explosive and big when you play with them or mess around with them or like, hey, I'm going to hit you on the arm or jump on you. You don't want to play with them because you're like, ow, this hurts. This is not fun. Don't play with me anymore. All right, so respect to the fat guys. They're athletes, too. Yes, and, respect uh, yeah, the Eagles, The Eagles can run the ball. They went over 130 rush yards Amazing. for the ninth straight game, the longest active streak in the NFL. Another team that had a good running game yesterday was the Raiders beating the Broncos 17-13. And Tripod 2X says, damn okay, Josh Jacobs, 127 rushing go. yards. It's the first 100-yard rush game this season, which is kind of crazy for him. That is kind of crazy because we, you know, when Gruden was there and they brought him in, it was like he was like the Alvin Kamara. He was the whole offense, but I guess we got to see that against the the Broncos. Once it it again. sounds like he's finally gotten healthy, Ahmed. That's the real thing. He he did he battled you know two different injury spurts kind of throughout the year. They haven't been a great running football team. I think because he was injured early on in the year, it kind of forced them to rely on, hey, we'll try to win the game with Derek Carr throwing the football, and we'll make some plays that way to kind of substitute for a lack of a running game. And they lost their mojo, like we talked about. Running game's hard. It's an attitude thing. you got to practice it and be physical all week, every week. You can't just go, oh, hey, now we want to run the ball this week. So they got to that. Really clearly, the Raiders we're clearly the better football team on the field yesterday. I can say that, no doubt about it. I mean, really, the three turnovers in the football game, two out of the three, you know, and I'm talking about the three Raiders turnovers. There was the Josh Jacobs fumble, Derek Carr had the fumble, and then there was the end of the half, tip pass, Nick Chubb interception. Uh, that was really the only life the, the Broncos team had throughout the day. You know, there was never at any point that I go, oh, the Broncos are – Oh, wait, the momentum's on their side. Watch out. I mean, I went in at halftime going, damn. I mean, the Raiders kind of controlled the game and dominated it. And, yeah, it's, it's what was it, 13-7 Broncos? I was shocked by that, no doubt. Um, but either way, it corrected itself in the second half. And what we saw in the first mm-hmm. half continued, except the Raiders didn't turn the ball over. And, yeah, the Broncos just couldn't get it going on the offensive side of the ball uh, at any point really throughout the day. At all. I mean, at the end of the first half, like you said, they were gift-wrapped 10 points. I know. I mean, it just handed it to them on a platter, and they scored three other points 
just themselves. Yeah, that's that's Can't a really run bad the one ball, for the, for the couldn't Broncos. convert third downs, At couldn't. All. I mean, it just that's that was that was a surprise to me. Now, one positive yep. for them is Drew Locke didn't screw the game up. He did not. But, man, they got too much talent and players on that side of the ball to have a game like that against that Raiders defense that's you know certainly not special. Yep. Came in, I think, bottom two in points given up on, on the season or something. I would think so. It's around the there. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr, good throwing the ball downfield again. Ten or more yards downfield with air yards per next-gen stats. He was eight for eight. 133 yards and a touchdown. It's the second time this year he's been perfect on deep throws. Uh, I think a minimum of seven attempts. Never happened before in the next-gen stats era. It's a, it's a record breaker here. So Derek Carr, a guy who we've criticized at times in the past for you know, not yeah, opening it up and right. kind of being checked down Charlie. Right. They've definitely thrown the ball downfield and successfully. Definitely. The uh, last so two years, cool he's, he's been better than in that category for sure. There's no doubt. And, and yeah. I think, you know, they, they, a game like yesterday, I'd like to go back and watch it, but I can guarantee Vic Fangio, who's so smart, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, hey, the Raiders usually kill you with the five and six and eight yard passes, and you die a slow death that way. I bet you they took some chances and took some stuff like that away, which led to some, some opportunities down the field. And hey, the last, the last, one of the last third down conversions of the game, right? It was a third and one little play action, hit Foster Moreau down the middle uh, for a big game that kind of ended it and put it away. Great play call there by Greg Olson on the offensive side of the ball. Aggressive. You know the team's going to sell out to stop the run. You're going to have a chance to make a game-changing, game-ending type play right there. And uh, Derek Carr took advantage of it and hit it. But, yes, Carr's had a very good year. There's no doubt. Not a superstar, but a really damn good quarterback that you can win with. Yep, and they could get into the playoffs still. They're the nine seed in the AFC, eight and seven, tied record-wise with the Ravens and the Chargers. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, time now for Give Me the Headlines, presented by Hyundai. We got three games to finish it out. My Detroit Lions often at the end of the show, but that's okay. They're playing well. They're they're in games. They were in this one against the Falcons. Uh, what's the headline for this one, Chris? Well... It could go a lot of ways, but that's the pits, okay? That's the pits, and it, the pits, <laughs> okay. is, that's kind of like a negative thing, I guess, right? But it really it, isn't right. when they were talking about this. It's, you know, that's not the pits. It's not, ooh, that's what it should be. You're right. Yeah. That's right. It's not the <laughs> yeah. pits, okay? Because when you got yes. Kyle Pitts on your team, very rarely is it the pits. I mean, very rarely. Special player. Listen, it just comes down to two things, in my opinion. The Lions, in a lot of ways, controlled the flow of the football game. You know, they were incapable, I guess, of, I'm going to say, scoring touchdowns, right? That was a little bit. The difference in the game was is two things to me. It's Matt Ryan and Kyle Pitts. See, these are the games where Matt Ryan is still good enough to... You know, beat teams like this. Not not that I want to say it's single-handedly, but doesn't need a lot. You know, that's the one thing I came away with in the game. Just going, man, Matt Ryan, you know, 
make so many plays, just kind of moving in the pocket, making a good, aggressive 15-yard throw down the football field. He's really special that way. He is. He's still a really damn good quarterback that I got a lot of respect for. But, yes, it was them, their defense hanging in there just enough to make the Lions kick some field goals. And then, you know, they, they scored touchdowns. And to me, that ultimately was the difference in the football game. But I give the Lions a lot of credit for hanging around and, and being a pain in the butt. But, man, Pitts, Ahmed, it's freaky. He's, he's getting better. You could tell he's getting – like, he's catching the ball and ripping it out of the air now and, like, looking angry as soon as he's got it in his hand. Like, he's looking to make a play. To me, those are the little things I look at to go, oh, wait – you know, he's got out of the rookie phase of like, I just want to catch it, get the completion. Now he's going, wait, I can catch it with my eyes closed. Time for me to be a superstar. And I feel like I'm kind of seeing that from Pitts here as of late. Six catches, 102 yards in the game. He's got 949 on the season. That's second most all time for rookie tight ends. Mike Ditka back in 1961 has the record at 1,076. And honestly, I want that record to stand. I think that's kind of cool. That's like you're protective of your dad's records. I'm protective of Mike Ditka's record. <laughs> okay. let, let him keep it for another. All right. For whatever reason. I don't know why. I don't know, I don't why, know why either. Why, you're not but... supposed to like anything Bears related. I'm surprised by that. You're right. But you're right. Ditka seems like a good guy, though. Uh, so Falcons get the win over the Lions. That's not the pits uh, is the headline for that one. How about Jets versus Jaguars? This is 26-21, the final score. Before you give the headline, I want to give uh, Anthony Rufo's damn okay to our boy, Zach Wilson, he says, down his top three receivers, top four offensive linemen. He helped elevate the Jets to victory. All right, so that is the damn okay. What is your headline for this game? It is two is better than one. There you go. Do you get there it? You Do you get it? You got it? You got it? You've always said, you've always said, though, this was basically the Chris Sims Bowl right here. This was, you know, everyone's number one versus your number one. And I guess you can maybe take a victory lap here, Chris. I, you know, maybe to a degree. Again, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he did some good things yesterday. There's no doubt about that. You know, I like both of these guys. I don't want it to be about that. But, it, you know, and, and again, in my opinion, yeah, Zach Wilson's capable of more special than Trevor Lawrence. I, I will say that. You know, I mean, did gosh. you see it in this game? What's that? Did you see it in this game? specifically well like there's always a handful of throws from Zach Wilson where I go damn that was that was a good one like whoa that was a laser down the middle there into a tight window and I was yes I see that I've seen movement really ever since he's come back from the injury which I think his first game back was the Houston Texans football game where I go his movement's special like it's special the way he can get out of the pocket make people miss do that you know, it, it, it's, it's, to me, uh, it's different than Trevor Lawrence. He's better in the pocket. He's better at getting outside of the pocket. Lawrence might be faster once they both open up, but he doesn't have the acceleration of the explosion Zach Wilson has. And that goes through his arm as well. That does. You know, again, what, the, what he did yesterday, not making any crucial mistakes, made some plays with his legs, they ran the ball, they had no fucking receivers to throw to in the football game, basically. I mean, come on. That was, that was a damn good win for the Jets. It really was. And, you know, you could sit here and go, hey, the Jaguars, the end of the game, they certainly did not handle that situation correctly at the end of the game. No. I mean, what was there, 18, 19 seconds on the clock and they spiked the ball? Call a fucking play third, and take another yes. shot in the end zone. Like, what right. are you doing? Yeah, they spiked it, spiked it on third and 
goal from the one. Right. And then on their fourth down play, they were scrambling and they got two guys in motion. And even if they would have scored a touchdown on that one, it wouldn't have counted because there was an illegal shift. Yeah, exactly right. You know, it just was all over the place. Like horrible management there at the end of the football game, let alone on the, what do I want to say, on the second down and the first down, they threw the ball short. Like, in front of the goal line to where it's like if the guy, you, you, they get tackled, you're going to lose seconds. For On second down, it should have been a pick six by C.J. Mosley. and went through both of his hands. And then uh, somebody on the Jaguars caught the ball off the deflection to the one-yard line, and that led them to spike the ball. They messed that up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, back to the point. You know, Zach Wilson's uh, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, let's not, like, write their history yet. They, they show a ton of physical ability. And I will sit here at the end of the year of watching yesterday and watching, you know, watching both of these guys play on film, not every week, but a lot of weeks. I'm still more impressed with Zach Wilson as a quarterback than I am Trevor Lawrence. So if I had to re-rank him, I'd still make him number one. I would. Lawrence, I mean, Lawrence has a chance to be a superstar. I think Zach Wilson will be a superstar. To me, he's a better thrower. He's better in the pocket. Lawrence is not good in the pocket, and that showed again yesterday. That's one of the areas of the game he's got to work on. And here's another. I'll give you a little another just Chris Sims because people are – I'm always texting people around the NFL and stuff. I had somebody text me yesterday, neutral of the situation that was on the field and pregame with Lawrence and Zach Wilson, and – they basically were like, hey, "I wish you were here, and what you would be—you'd be pumping your fist and happy right now." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And they go, "They—they they, just—they text me back. There's, 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 there's a difference. Zach Wilson is way more impressive throwing the football than Trevor Lawrence and pregame warmups, and it's somebody I trust. So yeah, that makes me feel good because I've gotten little things like that all year where people see Zach Wilson in person, and they go, "Damn, he's 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 quick, man. That little fucker's fast." Man, the ball pops out of his hand. And, you know, I'm, I, I rely on that stuff, let alone my own eye and, and, you know, ability to evaluate things. But, yeah, I feel good about both these guys. I real feel, feel yeah. really good about Zach Wilson. Yeah, that's interesting. The history has not been written on either of them. No. The history of the season for the Bears and Seahawks, that has been written. It's over. They're not playoff teams, uh, but they did play each other. And the Bears won by a point. Good last-second comeback. Jimmy Graham got it against his former team. What's your headline for this game? Oh, well, come on. It's the day after Christmas, and it's old St. Nick. Old St. Nick. Old Nick Foles, (laughs) the third stringer, coming in to save the day. Old, yeah. I mean, literally old. I mean, literally old. (laughs) Listen, great job by the Bears on the road, winning that football game. Awesome, like... You know, up yours by by Graham catching that touchdown pass to win the game or, tie, you know, have a chance to win the game against his old team, the Seattle Seahawks. Great throw and catch by Demir Bird and Nick Foles putting his spot to get the two-point conversion. But, like, what the fuck, Seattle? What the – I don't even know what to say, Ahmed. They they blew that game. I don't know I don't know what to say. It. I mean, how to – had a chance to kick a field goal at the end. They missed a field goal. They get down in field goal dro- range the next drive, and they get a penalty, and Russell Wilson takes a stupid sack. I mean, they had so many chances to put the game away. I didn't watch this game overly close like to where I could tell you every detail. I watched it enough, of course, to know that I felt like Seattle was the better team and was kind of controlling things. But, you know, typical Seattle fashion, they just – 
you know, can't you can't put them away and they can't put other teams away. That's what they do. And when you live like that, you're going to get screwed over every now and then. Yeah, before this season in the Russell Wilson era, they had been undefeated at home, 38-0, when they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Oh. They have now lost two of those games wow. this season. Uh, week two against Tennessee and now against the not playoff bound Chicago Bears. Yeah, it's been a it's been a rough go. We'll have a lot of time to talk about the future of of Seattle and I guess of the Bears too as we go on. Yeah. But that'll close it. That is give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. And with that, the Seahawks have now joined the Bears among teams that are eliminated, which leads us to Chris Requiem for a team. Woo, 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 woo. So here we go. Uh, <gasps> Pete, do we have the music? Woo, woo, woo. We you hear the crowd? Or, the crowd's going crazy. Do you hear Chris, it? Ah. They're standing. It's a standing ovation. We've had a crowd this whole time, and now they have just cheered for the first time. First thing they've agreed with. Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. Oh, hold on. Now I got to get to it. All right. This is Don't somber. mess this, this up. Like, you got a really cool t-shirt on. Don't mess this up. All right. Let's do the Seattle Seahawks first. So here lie the Seattle Seahawks. This could finally be the year he walks, because in the end, money talks. They let Russ cook, but now, time for a new look. And thank God, we're done with Go Hawks. <laughs> we won't have to hear that again. That's it. This could be it. I, I Listen, you make me bet, I'll say it is going to be it. I don't see it happening. I think he's going to be leaving town after this year. What's he going to say? Go Bronx. Go Bronx. Go Bronx. Go go the football team. <laughs> go Dolphins. I don't know what he's going to say. He'll have some go options, Dolphins. though. That's for sure. Go Giants. All I don't right. know. <laughs> oh, this one pains me. The Chicago Bears. Oh, no. This one oh, pains sure me. I'm sure you're really pained about it. Yeah, here. sure. All right. Here we go. Did we lose our music? We Did we? Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay. Here lie the Chicago Bears. Sorry. Andy Dalton started as QB1 until Justin became their favorite son. As long as they have Nagy, fans will wear a paper baggie. I really hope his tenure is not done. As a Lions fan, I say give him another year, or 10, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> I bet you'd like that. <laughs> Nagy, yeah. Let's see if it, give him time. Give him time. So we lay them to rest. Now, here's a special treat here, Chris. Pete oh, wrote one right. for the Giants. Your and Pete's Giants. Here it is. It's a decade and counting that we stink. We liked Judge, but he's made us rethink. Gettleman gets to retire, leaving us a dumpster fire. But hey, we got a free medium drink. <laughs> uh, well... Tell tell Ahmed explain the medium free drink thing so people understand what yeah, that was, was about. Fan, it was fan appreciation. Any Giants fan knows, right? It was fan appreciation for us uh, being a season ticket holder. Your whole family, I believe, got one free medium drink. Yeah, Not every right. single person, but your family got. Well, one. since my dad was in the Ring of Honor, we got a free large one. That's uh, we got a. <laughs> 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 yeah, share a straw, which in these times, not that, not that uh, great. But, yeah, not great oh, oh, for oh, well. COVID sharing straws. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, the final team that we have to bury, unfortunately, is the Carolina Panthers, right? Yeah, they're done. So here it is. Here lie the Carolina Panthers. Their quarterback play was shady. 
not fit for Panther fans, man or lady. But do not fear. It's time for a new year. And best of all, it'll be without Joe Brady. Oh man, man, man! Of all the of all the assistants, and I don't know Joe, and he might be a great man. I feel like he's been crushed the most on Chris Sims on Button in 2021. Of all assistant coaches, you're probably right. right? You're probably were right. we the hardest on Joe well, Brady? Well, they were. They started out three and zero. You know, it looked good. I know I was pumping the brakes a little to some people at that point, going, "Yeah, it's good, but it, it doesn't look great." And then, yes, I think shortly after that, you and I just. How many conversations did we have where I just kind of was like, ooh, I see a lot of repeat plays. I see a lot of DBs running the routes for the Carolina Panthers receivers. That always scares me. So I'm sure he is good. He's, he's, I'm sure he's a great guy. Most guys in the NFL are great guys. But, yeah, does he have to go back and maybe reevaluate himself and figure out a little bit more inventory to his offense if he wants to survive as an NFL offense coordinator? Absolutely. Here's two things I'll say about your requiem for teams that I'd like to just hit on. I don't think Joe <laughs> yes. Judge should be fired, all right? Hey, listen, I understand right. the frustration. I also will continue to say there's been a lot of uh, you know ingredients that are not that great there with the New York Giants that, is, that has hurt his ability to maybe make the team the way he wants. And I don't think the Carolina Panthers should get rid of Matt Rule. I don't. You know, again, I think there's a lot that I like about what I've seen Matt Rule do there. He has not got a quarterback and the offensive coordinator thing right. I understand that. But, you know, I think there is been a little bit of a culture that's been built there. He has totally flipped around the talent of the football team completely. They're young still. You know, I would give them another year. I'd give them another, let's see if they can get a quarterback and offensive system in there that fits them. I know those are big things. There's no doubt. It's not always easy to get a, a quarterback either, though. He took over a job where Cam Newton was the quarterback, and he was falling apart. So they had to try to make a move to do something else. They got Teddy Bridgewater. That didn't work out. They weren't the first person that was tricked by Teddy Bridgewater. They realized that wasn't good. Then, hey, they went the Sam Darnold route. I was, I'm was, i one that, you know, I got to stick up for it too. I didn't think it was a bad move. I did not. You know, but Darnold didn't play well, and I think you couple that with Joe Brady and the predictability of the offense. Yeah, it led to a, a less than performance on that side of the ball. But, uh, again, I think there's more good in Carolina with Matt Rule that outweighs the one or two bad things I look at, and, and I hope they keep them for another year. I do. I like the fact that when we were burying Joe Brady for the final time, the music continued. Like, you you had the background music of Requiem while you were talking about him, but yes. Uh, all right, so we got one more. We got we to gotta say goodbye to our Under Armour sponsorship, but first, Points Bet wants us to pick the Monday night football game between the Dolphins and the Saints. Chris, on Thursday's pod, you said the Dolphins would win in a low-scoring affair 13-10. to 10. The whole world changes every 24 hours, so I want to know, do you want to stick with this pick? You know me. I'm, I'm going to stick with my pick there. I, uh, yeah. Okay. You know, now Ian Book starting. I picked this game to be 13-10 with you know, somebody other than Ian Book starting at quarterback. I think this is going to be an ugly defensive showdown. You know, the Saints defense, like we saw last week, we know it's damn good and special. I, they're going to be able to match up and slow down the Dolphins' offense. You know, but the Dolphins' defense last half of the year – been great 
They're going to be able to match up those corners with those receivers. They'll be able to lock them down, and they'll be able to stop the run and do all that. So, you know, I guess if I had to reevaluate, I said 13-10 Miami, I'd probably go like 16-7 Miami now or something like 16-6 Miami with Ian Book at quarterback. That's probably how I would go. I did bet the under. All right, this is a Chris Sims special best bet of the week. I bet the under in the the Seahawks-Bears game. And the last touchdown screwed me over, and I lost it with the jump ball to Jimmy Graham. Lost it. And I really think the snow actually led to points in that game rather than it being a little bit of a more defensive struggle. You know, mm-hmm. So I felt like the elements actually screwed me over. I feel confident that the under will hit tonight. We'll see. Uh, but I expect a Miami ugly manage the football game type of win where Tua just makes a few throws and plays you know, to got to get them over the edge. But I don't think this would be pretty. I think it's going to be hard-hitting and kind of fun to watch, actually. Yeah, the over-under, it actually opened at 40-and-a-half. Now it's 37, the lowest of any game this season. But you have it at, like, Way 25. Under. I, I, so this yes. is, like... Right. Okay. I, right. I feel good so we'll about see. it. We'll see, though. Who knows? You know, knowing my luck, they'll have a reverse and a return of pun and somebody will throw a pick six and the game will be 24-20 in the yeah. third quarter with no offense being played, but they still got 44 points total. So hopefully not. And it we'll will, see. It, yeah, it'll snow in the Superdome somehow. It'll be like, how did that even happen? <laughs> how did that happen? It's like, okay, Superdome in Louisiana? It. How does that happen? <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's the Monday night pick. Thanks to our friends over at Points Bet. Final, final thing here. Um, we got to say goodbye to Under Armour because you have one more short, I guess two more shows with them and who knows, maybe they'll be back. Maybe they'll be back. They'll see this and a tear will come to their eye. But Andreas, uh, who is stepping in for Kristen, we gave Kristen one day off this week. And so Andreas has been pushing the button. If you want to power up Requiem's uh, sad music one more time, if we still have it, as we say goodbye to our Under Armour sponsorship this is really you saying goodbye i have two more dates with them so this is your last time saying bye for me for me this is yeah this is a big moment for me you can read this again on thursday here lie our under armor sponsorship the only way is through we agreed every pod we chanted their creed chris finally got his curries but ultimately they had some worries when they found out chris actually smoked that much weed and that was the end of it <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't quite know we didn't quite know that no, was I good that i think that, that's the first real not. shot you've taken out of me in a while i that was good <laughs> i like it i did it from the safety of virginia yeah thousands of miles away or hundreds of miles away yes. yeah good job uh, good but job. next time next time we do it we'll uh we'll do it in person chris i promise you that Appreciate you, you letting me spend some more family time here and we oh. can do it uh, over Zoom, but we'll be back together next time. We'll be back together next time. Ahmed, you the man. You really are. You're welcome to do it wherever you want, anytime. Uh, <laughs> you're like truly one of the nicest human beings I know. And if I don't see you, have a happy new year, all right? As I might not see you till next week, so enjoy that with the family. Yep. Uh, tell your wife that she deserves like a, damn, okay, okay, Mrs. Fareed. Yeah for making the coolest t-shirts I've ever seen. Damn, they're cool. So she deserves that, without a doubt. And, hey, Wednesday, you know we'll be back. What the fuck happened Wednesday? We'll be breaking down the film, me and Polly B. All right, we'll do that. Thursday, got the Picks Podcast with Foria. Please subscribe, rate, review, send in your questions. We love the interaction, as everybody knows. Peace out. Everybody enjoy the Monday Night Football game. Have a good week. Be safe, everybody. 
Ahmed Farid, Chris Sims, checking out. It's time to clap it up. Clap it up. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.